This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Obviously, the Super Bowl, the biggest news in sports right now. It's coming up this weekend between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Can't wait for that game, but right after that, Dave... It's baseball. We start focusing on baseball almost exclusively. Still talk about, obviously, the coaching staff and everything going on with the Seahawks, but you're, we're getting ready for the baseball season, and all the lists are coming out, you know, rankings, power rankings, what have you. And Major League Baseball uh, released a list of each position. They went top 10 at each position. And you can you can look at where your your favorite players are and all these situations. But what was interesting is is the, in their rotation, their starting pitchers, there wasn't uh, there wasn't anybody that represented the Seattle Mariners, which I find really really odd for Major League Baseball, who That's should very be in the strange. Know. Yeah, I mean they're known for their starting rotation. I mean, come on, it's their and calling it's not card. A single a single one, and you know really that is something we've sort of glossed over. You know. Because we're talking about offense constantly, and that's what that's what the the main problem has been here. But the the pitching has been fantastic. You're not getting any recognition at all. Not one. Not one. Just to give you an idea, here's their top ten starting pitchers. It doesn't go by league. Just in all of baseball, they've got start. I'll start at the bottom, Dave. Uh, Sonny Gray at number ten. Max Fried number nine. Logan Webb, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Blake Snell at five. Justin Verlander, Zach Gallen, Corbin Burns, and Number one, they've got Garrett Cole. So there you go. None of those guys currently playing for the Mariners. How about Snell? You know, there's been lots of talk. I know he raised the 12th man flag this year, and he's has he made it known? I thought I heard somewhere that he wouldn't mind being a Mariner, finishing his career here. It seems to be out there in the uh, in the ether. Yeah, everybody, he's made it. He made it aware last offseason. He made it aware to our guy Adam Ray out at, at spring training last year. Yeah, you know, he was talking to him then about wanting to play for the Mariners, and he, he's yeah, he, it's been no secret now whether he would come at a discount or anything like that. Who knows? And the Mariners obviously are in the market for a discount, so I don't know that that's reality based on their financial restrictions they've imposed upon themselves. But how, how does a team that is is widely when anybody's complimenting this team, almost certainly it centers around their pitching and and the depth of their pitching and what they have. Uh, just in terms of the top 10 on Major League Baseball, they, they go center fielder, shortstop, every position. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, Julio is the number two center fielder. He was third last year, so he moves up to number two. Who's number one? And they've got, uh, let me take a look. And then J.P. Crawford, I'll just give you the other two real quick. J.P. Crawford is number 10 at shortstop. He was not ranked last year. And Cal Raleigh was not ranked <clears throat> last year. He's number nine now. Okay, so first of all, we waited around here for a long time on the Cal Raleigh on the catcher yeah. thing, and you know they didn't do what I would have done, and that's start with you know the other way around. Number one, yeah, start with number <laughs> one. Uh, so yeah, we were sitting here waiting for for him to to pop up, and he absolutely. So when I see him ranked number nine, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but he got screwed last year. Yeah, so it kind of bothers me. By the way. Aaron Judge they have as the number one center fielder. Okay, gotcha. Although last year he was the number one right fielder. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> both. But you know, I think the the awesome thing about this list is JP Crawford at number ten. I mean, yeah. last year at this time you would have said eh, maybe not. I mean, he was always a magician as far as defense goes, but just now hitting the ball with a little bit of power, man, it's that's awesome. 
Well, and it's just back to the pitching part of it is odd. Again, for Major League Baseball, of all publications, all websites, not to include a Seattle Mariner pitcher in their top 10, where you look at uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote an article about the Mariners last month. Um, you know, he, he talked about their their rotation, the athletics. Eno Saris, is that how you say his last name, Lefko Saris, on Monday released his starting pitching rankings. And based on three statistical frameworks, the Mariners placed three pitchers in the top 15. Kirby at number five, Castillo at number seven, Gilbert at number 11. Fangraphs has a preseason projection that has Castillo at seven, Kirby at 12. So you can argue whether you think they should be higher, lower, one in front of the other, but at least they've got representation in both Fangraphs and The Athletic. But somehow MLB.com omits any Mariner pitcher completely. I just find that hard to believe. Yeah, well, and it's something we don't talk about a lot here just because we we have that. Um, we have good pitching, and it's always been something. I mean, if you'd have asked most fans, they would, they would probably have said, we'll, we'll at least get one pitcher. In, yeah. in the top ten, and uh, so that is that is a bit of a shock. But I do think pitching is something we do very much take for granted here as Mariner fans because it's really good. And that you know Scott always says, "This is how you win: pitching and defense. Pitching and yeah. good defense is how you win." Now I know nobody wants to hear that right now because you know the the lack of offense has been the huge problem. But hopefully it'll it'll come together this year. But I, I love seeing especially JP Crawford ranked number ten. Yeah, a couple of people texting in. You guys can text in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, uh, weighing in on this, and, and Snell in particular. 425 says, Snell is the next Robbie Ray, arm ready to fall off. Hmm. Okay. that's But that's true of any pitcher, you know, unless they're even a young guy. You could say, I mean, they're one pitch away from, oh, there went the UCL. There went there went the elbow. There went the there went the rotator cuff. There went the labrum. That's any pitcher, any pitcher, whether they're twenty three, thirty three, any and everywhere in between. It's just the nature. It's it's like a running back getting hurt. It's it's pretty much not if but yeah. when. No, that's that's a good comparison actually. But uh, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is is that the the surgery has become so fine tuned that you've just pretty much count on. It's going to, I mean, it, it seems like 90%, there's like a 90% rate of like, okay, he's, he's going to come back and be perfectly fine. And that's gotten refined, obviously, over the years. But yeah, it's never, it's no longer a problem that somebody has to go get Tommy John surgery. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's more of an inconvenience. Like we're going to be without this guy yeah, for a year. Time. Yeah. It, it stinks to be without him. But the idea of, well, are they going to make it back? That seems to be out the window. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be back. It's just, you got to wait. Uh, 360 saying Bob's Homer coming out. I don't think I'm being a Homer by looking at a rotation that is widely considered amongst the best in Major League Baseball, not just by me. I just gave you the athletic, gave you fan graphs. You, you talk to anybody outside of Seattle, they're going to give you the same answer. So I don't think Homer is applicable in this. Maybe in my outrage, Dave. Maybe maybe that's the Homer. But uh, in terms of where I feel they rank that they should have a, at least one representative in the top 10, I don't think that's being a Homer. Yeah. No, I don't either. And I remember how many times last year you and I would talk about, okay, who's the man right now? And it would often be like Logan Gilbert, and then it would be Luis Castillo. Castillo, he had a little bit of a problem with home runs last year. He was yeah. he was getting up a, a fair amount of those. But And then, you know, you would bring up Kirby. I mean, you know, there's... Those are of those three guys. I'm I'm really shocked that not one of them is in the top ten. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's again. These they're achieving their goal. They're getting people to talk about it and debate it. And you know, how come this team here, this guy here, why not this guy? That's that's the goal of all these situations. So it's just a it's a talking point. But it it is surprising that major. If this were uh, I don't know Yahoo Sports did it, they had their guy do it as opposed to the the website of Major League Baseball. I find that of a little a little curious, but okay. So, by the way, somebody's saying uh, their their rotation is ranked 11 through 15. It, did they did they just top 10? Didn't get 11, 12, 13? They, yeah, they just went top there. 10 just at each, each yeah. position. Top 10. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, there you go. Uh, meanwhile, some of the NFL stuff we didn't get a chance to get to. Um, I thought this was interesting, and I don't, I don't know. You know, this is somebody told me this, and this is what I've heard. Bill, Bill Belichick rumors about him uh, being offered the job in Atlanta, but turning it down. This, according to Boomer Esiason, he says an NFL executive told him Arthur Blank offered Belichick the job. So we've been sitting here wondering, you know, how come nobody hired him? That's the only team he talked to. This, again, take it for what it's worth. If you believe Boomer, don't believe him. He just said uh, his quote is, supposedly Arthur Arthur Blank was brought in to Bill Belichick and could have, off, could have offered him the job. Uh, and then somebody asked him, did he say no to the Falcons? He says, I don't know why guys say no, but legitimately an NFL executive basically told me they believe that Arthur Blank offered Bill the job. Now that sounds like, well, that's what I've heard. This is, this is the rumor type of thing. I don't know if that's factual. It'd be kind of interesting, and I guess it would, in my opinion, when I read that, I thought, okay, maybe we were making assumptions. We felt like we were making assumptions that he's he wants all this control, and and Jim Harbaugh wants all this control, even though n- neither had said that. That was sort of the assumption. I felt like, okay, well, maybe they, I, I get why people think that way, but it's probably not fair to assume that's just how they're going to conduct themselves looking for a new job. But maybe in this case, that was true. But he do, he doesn't offer that as a reason why he didn't take it. He just says that's what it that's what it heard I heard from his uh whoever his source is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting that, you know, there there was also some talk about him just taking a year off, just wanting to take a year off and then come back and do it. And that I have to say that was oddly sort of comforting to me because even though I think I think Bill Belichick's a great coach. I I really admire him. The, the one problem I have with him, it's not the cheating or anything like that. It's how immature he is with the media. That, yeah. that to me is, and really that doesn't have that much to do with football. But I, I don't know, it, it made me feel better. Um, I, I don't remember if I read it in this article or, or another one, but you know, I was talking about how he wants to take a year off and come back in 25 and, and coach again. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm kind of like, I, I don't want to see the NFL without Bill Belichick right now. Like, I'm not ready for it. Yeah. You know, so um, that, that that's kind of interesting that he wasn't, you know, in his mind, according to this report, was that, you know, he was going to interview, but he wasn't he wasn't ready to come back yet. And I'm I'm curious if he's going to follow through with that, because, you know, do you think next year if there's like four or five openings, is his name still going to be? Hot or people going to think, you know, forget about him. Well, if if we're talking about just age being a factor when it when it comes to Pete and some people's minds, he's turning 72 in April, this April. So yeah. if he sits out this season, gets a job next season, he's going to be 73 years old for whichever team he's coaching if he gets back in. Now, maybe teams don't have an issue with age. Maybe everybody wears age differently. And it, Pete certainly didn't act or look. 72 years old so he seemed as sharp as ever as quick as ever um 
maybe that's true for Belichick too. Maybe it won't be a big concern for teams out there, but just saying if, if age is a, a an impediment to some of these teams, then he's going to be, by if he sits out a year, by the time he's back, he's 73 years old. Yeah. Well, I kind of subscribe to the, the stink uh, method, Mark Schlereth, and that's basically that um, it's it's ridiculous that uh, a guy like Bill Belichick can't relate to the kids these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing he said was, well, does he text them a bunch of emojis or he doesn't know how to do that or something? To me, it just to me, it doesn't it really doesn't matter if you're a football guy, you're a football guy. And I think for most of these kids that have been growing up, I mean, the Patriots have just dominated and he's he's been, you know, the the leader of that. So uh, to me, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think the age thing is as big of an issue as everybody else does. Did your opinion of him change at all based on what happened once Brady left? Because things went one direction for the Patriots and another direction for Brady going to Tampa. Yeah, did it I make did. you feel like all right? He's not as good as we thought, or is it? it what we always figured it's they're the team and they won these. It wasn't one more than the other, but then I don't know. Brady leaves, and it's been a different story. Certainly with Mac Jones there and anybody else they've had at quarterback. Well, I'll tell you what. What I think would be interesting, and I don't. I don't think uh, Bill Belichick would want to do this, but if he were to come back and be a defensive coordinator, because really, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady. I don't think he coached up Tom Brady, and he's responsible for his de- development or anything like that. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he tells him the right things, and you know, that's what a lot of the and we hear this from like the the Mariners bullpen to mm-hmm. every NFL player we talk to is. You know, this coach told me to get rid of the things that I do poorly and, you know, emphasize the things just like they say in the bullpen, you know, throw the pitches that, you know, that work for you and get rid of everything else. And I feel like that for him to come back and, you know, maybe he helped, maybe he helped Tom Brady immensely, but I think mostly what he, he did was build a really good defense with, you know, kind of. I don't know. They weren't like superstars or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, they they developed into guys like Vrabel and Teddy Bruschi. You know, those guys were they developed into really good defensive players, and you could say he's responsible for that. I, so I would love to see him come back and be back in the NFL number one, but also just um, just coach defense and see see what he can do because it's a good question you ask. I mean, clearly, I mean history shows that. It was. Uh, it it kind of looks like it was Tom Brady because he went to to Tampa and had success, and it's been pretty much downhill since Belichick and him have departed. Yeah. Uh, one uh, another football story. We we did this earlier. I just have to hear this cut again because it makes me laugh. In case you missed it, we talked about this earlier in the show. But Diana Rossini uh, was just talking about. We we talked a lot about Mike Vrabel as a potential coaching candidate. He was his name was amongst many that were out there that could fill the spot here or in any of the eight openings that were out there. He didn't get a job. In fact, I don't did anybody interview him? Did he interview with anybody? He might have interviewed, I think, with the Chargers and Falcons. Let's bring Not in our, lot, our yeah. Mike Vrabel specialist. Well, he's he's our Titans, our resident Titans slash Vrabel expert. Yeah. Uh, he's mostly Mike Vrabel critic. <laughs> he, well, he is so, that. He is that. I so like he did. That. He did interview though, right? Um, yeah. Let me look up who he did. Yeah, because I, I we didn't hear his name much. I mean, as much as we talked about, man, you're not hearing anything about Pete. You're not hearing anything about Belichick. Vrabel's name was out there as a potential. Uh, Falcons and Panthers. Those are the only ones. Okay. So he didn't get a job. Uh, And Diana Rossini had a GM give her a potential reason as to why that was the case. Do you know I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me, 
Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to, to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that is a factor, which I laughed. I said, stop, that, that's not something that's real. Who cares what someone physically looks like? And he said, I'm just telling you, I've been, I've been in rooms and, and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. So are all coaches going to look like uh, Mike McDaniel now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's less intimidating. <laughs> Little squirrely guys with glasses running around t- intimidating nobody. Well, Art Shell was a pretty damn good coach, and he was 6'5", 265 pounds. So Bigger than Vrabel. Maybe he's a close talker. He gets like really oh. close to people and tries to intimidate them. I don't know. I just think that's the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> She's obviously very serious about it, or whoever told her that was very serious, which is hilarious and absurd and almost scary that somebody could make a decision based on somebody's physical stature. Yeah. Like if that's real, if that, I just, it's, it's feels too out there. Like, all right, somebody's messing with somebody and it became a serious topic, but anyway, you know, you know it's funny speaking and uh, along those lines, uh, Mike Shanahan, when he first came to, um, to Denver, one of my, <laughs> my roommate a guy named Mike Lodish. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Lodish has the, he was a defensive tackle from UCLA, and I think he has the record for like most Super Bowl appearances because he was with the Bills for a long time, and then he was with the the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but one of the things he pointed out was that Mike Shanahan would always be like his heel would always be like two or three inches off the ground to be taller. Yes, and and especially if like there were you know they were in a social situation like he would always point it out. Just get notice, taller. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, he must have had good calves. Mike, yeah, Mike Shanahan apparently uh, you know wanted to be bigger. So um, I don't I don't see where that's a that's a disadvantage. I mean everybody wants to wants to look like a football player, right? You, especially in the world of football, where you got players and former players roaming the building left and right, it just—it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Um, Look, by the way, how, how how tall is Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel, I don't know. He looks—he, I mean, we we see him in sweats next to players and pads. He looks like he's—he's he's five nine. Yeah, I was just gonna say he looks like he's five eight, one fifty. He's probably five eight. <laughs> so, uh, one more here, Jacoby Myers, who was a former. Uh, New England Patriot receiver, then had a his career year with the uh, Raiders. He was on uh, NBC Sports in Boston, and he was talking about uh, the situation there in, in New England, and he feels like the Patriots didn't do enough to, to help out Mac Jones, who I don't know what his future is, but he feels like uh, the, the franchise kind of let him down. Honestly, man, I, I, I really don't like it. And this isn't a knock to Zap, because Zap is a dog, too. Like, I, I like my boy. I, I'm happy that he's doing well, too, but Man, how that went down with Mac, I kind of watched it all unfold for the last couple of years, and I feel like you could have seen it a couple of years ago and, and tell that it would end up bad. You know what I mean? Like, it, oh, yeah, man, I don't like sell people out, but I think they had to meet him a little bit more because I know he's in the building working. I can't name too many people working harder than him, so I hate to see it for him. I really do. You mean meet him more in terms of surrounding him with more yeah, talent? Yeah, to help him. Like, talent, coaching, you name it. Like, just putting him in a better position to win, I think, would have helped their program a lot. That's interesting because he seems to be a guy that's not well liked. Mac Jones? Yeah. And it's yeah. him and Zach Wilson that that seemed to have at one point or another rubbed their teammates the wrong way. Right. And both have struggled mightily. Um 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's it's one of those situations where the locker room split on this guy. Like he's one of the guys that liked him, and maybe some other guys don't like him. I don't know. Yeah, the Mac Jones thing. I guess whatever. The worst was Zach Wilson. I mean, if you get wind that a guy doesn't want to go out there because he's afraid he's going to get hurt, oh, right, right. Yeah. That is that's a major violation. I mean, I I feel like. Yeah, if this guy wants to, uh, I don't know exactly what you know Mac Jones was was doing. He seemed like maybe he was a little cocky and mm-hmm. a little bit obnoxious, maybe a little bit immature. But just saying, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out there and get hurt. It's just so is such a turnoff, especially from a guy who is supposed to be your leader. Yeah, well, and and he denied it and all that. And the boy, the Jets are just so dysfunctional. Did, what was it you were reading earlier? Where they. They said the most inspirational player on the roster this past season was Aaron Rodgers, who was out there for, what, four snaps or whatever? Yeah, it was Dan Graziano, and, you know, he, it was something about how he was so inspiring. Uh, and and he was like, this is truly sad. <laughs> it is. It tells you how sad that organization is. A guy was yeah. literally out there for one series, not even a full series, done for the rest of the year, and he is has been labeled the most inspirational player on the team. Uh, Oh, very sad. That is a, that is not good. All right, coming up, what will ultimately decide who wins this Super Bowl? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up, we'll find out what we learned today because we learn every single day on this program. It's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. You know what else we, we learned or we know? We're going to have Lofa Tatupu on the show tomorrow. He's going to be in studio with us. In studio. Hopefully for, you know, we can keep it for an hour. We can see what's bugging Lofa. He's always so happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything bothers Lofa. No. Uh, but, yeah, he's coming in and uh, 2 o'clock hour. We're going to get some Super Bowl thoughts from him. He was in Super Bowl 40, obviously. Not, a, not some, a great memory. He's got some not-so-good memories, and then he says he's got some some pretty funny stories. So, yeah, look forward to that. Lofa's our guy, man. He's Is he – I always joke about it when he comes on, but is he your all-time favorite Seahawk? Favorite Seahawk? Yeah, it's hard to narrow it down. Like, Cortez Kennedy was pretty awesome. You know, really, really loved him. But, yeah, Lofa, I just – I just remember watching him when he came in as a rookie going, wow, and then talking to him afterwards. He just he had an advanced understanding of the game. So, mm-hmm. and I, look, I understand why he's not coaching because he doesn't have to probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got kids, and he's, he's actually going to one of his kids' plays um, right after he comes on with us. But you don't – I don't – I don't know. I think you're either a coaching guy or you're not. He's a player, and when you go to coaching and you're – all the time that you spend away, I think it, I think it makes it a difficult decision. But I do think he would just be a phenomenal resource as far well, as coaching. he coached for a bit, right? Didn't he? He was up in the booth, yeah. And I think the things that he was telling me that that he was doing at that time were way way below his his pay grade, like what he capable of. Right. You know, he's like, yeah, they have me doing this and that and. You know, it's okay. Restickering the helmets, cleaning the clothes. (laughs) Basically (laughs) something. Yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, identifying formations or personnel groupings, I mean, that's, he is, he's next level. I mean, that's, you got to tap into that brain. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. So uh, Lofa Tatupu in studio with us tomorrow 
right out of the gates. We'll open the show with him, and uh, we'll we'll let him host. We'll you and I will just ride shotgun and let him run the show. See how <laughs> that go. goes. Uh, well, he's he's a radio guy, right? He does doesn't he or he did at least do a podcast. I don't know if he's still doing it. We'll talk. We'll, we'll ask him. But yeah. yeah, he's he's no stranger to being behind a mic, so he knows what he's doing. So looking forward to that. Always always fun to talk to him. Meanwhile, looking at this matchup, Dave, and we haven't we haven't really gotten into the nuts and bolts of this. Kind of trying to parse it out through the week. You don't want to. You want to throw it all out there the first day, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But are there are there key matchups that you look at? Like, do you look at all right? Who do who do they get to lock up Bosa? Who do they? How do they handle what uh, Chris Jones does? How do they, you know, counter uh, Christian McCaffrey? How do they stop that part of their their offense? Is there anything you look at as like this is the key? If they can subdue this guy, I don't think I don't know that you stop anybody. But if you can limit this guy's impact, that is going to be huge. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be you know both linebackers on both sides. You know, you got Nick Bolton and uh, Drew Tranquil, and then you got Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner on the other side. Because you know, I mentioned earlier Isaiah Pacheco and and Christian McCaffrey, of course, I think are going to be the two that you know. But you, the other thing is, you could also say, what about the tight ends? The tight ends are both fantastic. Are they not the two best in the league? I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there are others have had big years. I know Laporta was a huge, you know, rookie, and uh, yeah. you know others have done great things. But I think Hawkinson got hurt. Yeah, you know. Yeah, in this, I, I just feel like in terms so, of their body of work, you're looking at the two best tight ends in the lane. Certainly, Kelsey. He's yeah, guy's ridiculous. They both are really. If you look at uh, Kittle, I always want to call him Kettle in uh, memory of our buddy <laughs> John, John Clayton. Clayton. But. Um, but yeah, I just I remember a play where it was against New Orleans, and I think it was in the playoffs where he just refused to be tackled, you know. And that that's the one thing I think he has that's maybe a little bit better than Kelsey, you know. After contact, he is just electric. But you know, Kelsey runs through some some tackles too. But um, but yeah, it could be those two. But I I think it's going to be the running backs and those linebackers that are lining up against them. And again, Nick Bolton is not. He was the leading tackler in the Super Bowl last year. I believe he returned a fumble for a touchdown last year as well mm. in their win of the Super Bowl. So I think, you know, him and Drew Tranquil, who hasn't been sort of pumped up as this great free agent pickup, he was somebody that I had talked about wanting him here in Seattle. And he's 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 played really well. But I, I think those if you can shut down those two components, if you're on either side of uh, you know, whether it's Kansas City's defense against McCaffrey or you know Pacheco and being hemmed in by uh, Wag or I'm sorry, I just want to say Wagner Warner and uh, you know and Greenlaw Greenlaw, then I mean I, I feel like that's where the the best matchups are going to be. What do you think about the one you know Spagnolo? I mean him He's being huge, him and Shanahan being is like a major factor. I feel like everybody on these, this is why I think it's interesting on both sides of the ball. You got guys that execute really well. So really it's going to be down to who's going to out scheme the other, the other guy, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I was blown away by what, again, what the chiefs did to shut down that Ravens team. Yeah. They had been just kicking the daylights out of just about everybody. And they were on their home field. They were rested. You, you know, you can talk about, what the Ravens did, we had somebody when we brought it up earlier saying, well, it was the Ravens offensive coordinator, blew it with that game plan. I'm thinking, all right, yeah, I'm not saying that wasn't part of it, but the Ravens were still with that guy calling the plays all season long, kicking everybody's tail, and they were at home, and they held him to a touchdown in the first quarter and a field goal in the fourth on their own home field. 
That was really impressive. Spagnolo's defense was wildly <laughs> impressive. So, and that's why I've kind of swayed toward the Chiefs winning this whole thing. But yeah, I think he he's a massive factor. What what's gone on with that defense is is incredible because the Chiefs, as much as people are tired of hearing about them, all we ever heard was about the offense. We never talked about the Chiefs' defense. No. It was all about Andy Reid, the wizard of play calling, and Patrick Mahomes, he's a wizard with the ball, and Kelsey, and that's all we ever heard about. And it's still the three-headed monster, as we talked about, but that defense was the second-best def- scoring defense in the NFL behind the Ravens. Right, and never talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's you're right. I mean, when it, you're not in the division and you're not watching Kansas City Chief football, you know, all you all you know about is pretty much Mahomes and Kelsey. But yeah, for for him to be, and I don't know if this this wasn't odds driven, right? This was just uh, somebody's list that we got from yeah, Yahoo. Yeah, just the, the people they identified removing the quarterbacks and the head coaches. Yeah, which I, I thought it was interesting because he's the only coach Spagnolo that they threw in there, and yeah. he's at number four. So, in another thing about the Chiefs, the um, the cornerbacks Trent McDuffie and and Lajarius Sneed both at number five. They kind of package those two together, but. Again, two guys th- on that defense, that no-name defense, really. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's 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 impressive what what Spagnolo has done, and obviously all credit to the players they've got. But he has utilized that talent really well. Now, quickly, before we get to the break here in a minute, um, what about the forcing the two quarterbacks into mistakes? Because we've seen <coughs> uh, Mahomes this year; he's turned the ball over a bit. He had 14 interceptions this year. Purdy, you know, he was great taking care of the ball, but there have been moments where you're like, ooh, wow, he got away with one. Wow, he floated that one. Like he's, he feels like he could be prone to it. They have, the opposition just hasn't capitalized as much as it feels like they could have. We've seen some of those balls that just land in between two defenders or bounce off a defender. It, it feels like Mahomes has so much confidence in what he can do that he's prone to it. Whereas Purdy, he he obviously has confidence as well. I, I feel like they're both capable of throwing that really errant pass for different reasons. But what, yeah. do, what do you think about that in, in terms of being a key factor getting getting that turnover from from one or the one or both of these guys? Well, I think I think Spagnolo and and what he has done that could be the difference because you know you look at um, some of the the throws that Purdy makes. Uh, particularly in the Green Bay game, I think you saw the same play, Bob, where it was like for an end zone shot, and you're like, how in the world does that ball get through there? There's like three guys from each side with arms up. And 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 it's not like it was a a missile. Yeah, it was just... There's some arc to it. Right, yeah, because that's the one thing he does really well is... Um, Purdy does, is he throws over the linebackers and fits it in just over their heads, but in front of the safeties. And, but also, you know, the, in that game, you know, Green Bay, they, they kind of had their number a little bit and they were, they were playing pretty well on defense. And I'm thinking, Hey, if, if they can figure out a way to, to tip a couple of balls or, or pick a, a pass off that could get to Purdy's, you know, confidence level. And uh, I think, Spagnolo to me, number four on the list here. We'll see tomorrow. We'll talk about odds. Yeah. You know, because they have, you know, for MVP. And obviously they're not going to be talking about coaches, but I think it'll be interesting to see what most people are betting on, you know, as opposed to the list that we just saw. And we'll get into some of the cool prop bets or goofy prop bets that are out yeah. there and all that stuff. So we'll we'll do a deep dive into the matchup tomorrow. But coming up, it is a Super Bowl themed edition of What We Learned, and it's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. This is a house of learned doctors. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did we learn today? No one's a bigger idiot than me. It's the easiest way out. A Super Bowl-themed edition of what we learned today, I've been told. Is that is that true, Lefko? Well, we'll learn if it is. All right, let's learn together. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl is a fun, joyous time. A lot of people have watch parties. You get together. There's a lot of good food. Uh, except we learned that you guys, you just, you kind of hate people around for the Super Bowl. I, I can't stand that. I went to a party one time. I told you the story where a certain guy that you and I both know, we get there and there's no beer or anything like that. I mean, you just, you take a chance, but when you're in your own castle and you know, you, you set everything up and you've got your snacks, you got what you want, you can pause it, go to the bathroom, all that. That's what the Super Bowl, that's how it should be viewed. You got your own, you got a comfortable couch. You don't have to share it with anybody yeah. if you don't want to. Your wife, obviously there, but it, it's, yeah, it's just a better viewing, viewing experience. If, you you care about the game. Some people yeah. are very just like, yeah, it's fun to go hang out, and I totally get that. But we, you know, we got to talk about it. We got to yeah. talk about what what happened on this call in the third quarter. You're not going to get those details in a room full of people talking no. about everything but the game. One year, I I have my favorite spot on the couch, so I went and I like I taped it off. Kendall called me a drama queen. <laughs> what a drama queen you are! Is that what she said? Yeah. It's like, well, this is my seat. I don't want anybody sitting here. It's perfect. It's like, I don't know if you ever watched Frasier, but he had his, his chair perfectly where there's no glare on the TV. You know, you've got a little table next to you where you can put your drink. It's it's fantastic. That's what I got. That's what I got going. I, I don't I don't know that that's we hate people, Lefko. I think you hate you're, people, you're, it sounds you're, like. You're, you're talking about Matt. Matt hates people. Oh, I admit it. If yeah. you want to sit in your own place by yourself and watch the game, sounds like you hate people. If, if we have to be in a room full of people who are talking about everything but the game, Dave and I are going to come in here on Monday woefully unprepared to talk about the nuances of that game, all the particulars, because you can't catch them all in a room full of people who are talking about everything but the game. It's like Matt saying uh, it's like doing a book report uh, for a book you didn't read. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not about the people so much as it is being professionals and really being here for our listeners. No, well, I hate people, but I mean, <laughs> not not all of them, not, not every last one, just most of you, except for our li- we like our listeners, but everybody oh, okay. outside of that that group. Okay, so you could sit in a room full of your listeners during the game. Well, oh, maybe a separate. Fantastic. They could be in the next room. How about that? We we could we could interact at halftime. How about they just text us? Yeah, <laughs> well, text into the show. Maybe we'll, we'll pull up the the, the web page and and respond. Well, what else? You know what? That could be some good content. Live stream, texting Dave Wyman during the game. See oh, what said, responses you would get. I said all of us, all of us, especially yeah. Matt. <laughs> I ain't checking that. I ain't watching the game. I ain't checking that. Uh, what else did we learn? Uh, well, speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, Wyman insulted a top-notch Super Bowl snack. They're called Little Smokies, Bob. <laughs> Little Smokies, you've been corrected by the texters. Little. They came to the rescue. L-I-L. That's exactly, that's exactly right. You call, What wanna, did you call them? The Little? I want to apologize to the Little Smoky community <laughs> right now. I'm really sorry. I yeah, don't remember the name. Yes, that sort of offense is not taken lightly. So I think it's good that you you apologized before there was yeah. retribution. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I couldn't come up with the little Smokies, but uh, little yeah, Smokies, it's... Dave. Maybe you were high. <laughs> All I do is just drain the bag of any excess water in there, and then uh, I just squeeze uh, you know some barbecue sauce over it, 
and just let it simmer in a pot. You got to get good barbecue sauce. Do you put any, do you eat anything with them or you're just snacking on those individually? Just you, eating them individually with the toothpick. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Like um, a civilized human. Whatever the um, whatever the barbecue sauce is, you can get it at Costco. Because it comes in like one of those five packs or something. I was like going to say, it comes like in something gallon. giant. <laughs> yeah. You could take a bath in it. There's that much of yeah. it there. Uh, Lefko, I'm, I'm guessing you're a little smoky fan, yeah? I don't eat those regularly, but if they're if there, Dave you, made them for me, I absolutely would. Yeah. I think I think maybe we should start calling Mike Lil Smoky. Lil Smoky. Lil, would you yeah, rather be called smoky? Thumb or Lil Smoky? Lil Smoky, that works. Yeah. Lil Smoky, L I L. You equate it with a delicious treat, so yeah, there we go. Lil Smoky. <laughs> As opposed to Thumb? It's I don't know. Like Lil Sebastian, beloved figure in Parks and Rec. So. Yeah. Uh, what else hmm. did we learn? Interesting idea there. I, I'm not a, a, aware of that. What was it? Parks and You've never Rec. seen Parks and Rec? No. Oh, that's a good show. You guys are no longer surprised when I say there's some popular show. You know show what? Dave wouldn't like it because he has no I sense no. of humor. Yeah, that's, He has no sense back, of humor. Back to that, the Super Troopers thing. Well, uh, I put up with oh, you. No. Oh, you're, you're judging it based on <laughs> yeah. Super Troopers. That is, that's an odd one. That, I think that threw us all for a loop. We, yeah, we it figured just that. doesn't make sense, Dave. I find, it's such a Dave movie. We were just talking about your love of the other guys, too, which is a great one. And we appreciate that. I find myself saying meow, making the meow joke every <laughs> once in a while. So maybe it's growing on me. Maybe if I watch it, like, I'm the opposite. Everybody else, like, grows out of it. Maybe I'll grow into it. No, some movies are that way. That's how I was with Napoleon Dynamite. Everybody raved about it like we're raving about Super Troopers. I saw it, and I went, huh. And then I saw it again. I'm like, eh, that was pretty funny. And then a few more, and I'm like, this movie's pretty good. Now, now, now I look at it as a classic. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's just a slow build. You you gotta you'll warm up to we'll, it. We'll give it a we'll give it another shot. Maybe in about a year. <laughs> what, what else did we learn? Uh, well, this one is not Super Bowl theme, but we learned that you guys want to bring back uh, bring back the good old days. Bring back answering machines. This could have happened when I played because, you know, if you were at home and the phone rang, that was when you were yeah. talking on the phone. Then you come back and listen to your answering machine if you weren't home and rewind right. the cassette tape. That was a big deal when I was <laughs> growing up. Yeah, being able to record that. And we used to always screw around, leave each other joke, you know, messages. Yeah. And make the Remember the, you know, the answering message, make it something. Yeah, the greeting. It's called yeah. a greeting. Did you ever come up with a cool greeting for your answering machine? Did you ever yeah, do, did you ever go a, to Costanza? Uh, there was a uh, Sammy Hagar song where he said, baby, or something like that, screamed it. Oh, hello, baby. Hello, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah I put that on there. That was super cool. Super, super cool. cool. I thought you'd do something like Costanza. Oh, Believe yeah. it or not, Dave isn't at home. <laughs> Leave your message at the like beat. a little song. <laughs> I think you should put that on your cell phone, Dave. <laughs> you know what? My cell phone now goes, Leave a message. <laughs> is, it, oh is it really that's your voice just grumpy sounding leave, yeah well you can call me and check i don't know exactly what it says but everybody's always commenting on how it's just not very nice um somebody texted in right afterwards i don't remember the area code but um another one that was popular back in those days who could it be now by oh, men at work. work yeah i'm gonna call you right now to test this yeah see what it see what it says you matt has a good idea we're gonna call you on the phone you yeah, gonna, are you going to put it up to the mic there so yeah. we can hear? Yeah, no, we're going to call you on the the phone phone. <laughs> oh, the oh the landline. Now, Dave, don't answer. <laughs> Mike, don't answer. Is that you? <laughs> Hello, I'm on the air. Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's all hear Dave's phone ringing. Oh boy. <laughs> Get ready to hit the dump button. <laughs> 
Matt. This is good radio. This anxiously awaiting two words, three words. Hey, who missed? I should let it go through the whole thing and then actually answer it, just to start over. Does Matt. it go to voicemail? Do you know what your voicemail Hold is? Hold on. I think you could hit the button that would push it right to yeah, voicemail. Yeah, just send it to voicemail. Leave a message. Thanks. Oh, there's oh, a thanks. Hey, no, please what? record your message. Wow. That, that, more, that is more uh, cheerful than I thought it was. Uh, hi, Dave. It's Bob. <laughs> it's about five to six right now. If you can give me a call back at your earliest convenience, I'd really appreciate it. Have a great day, buddy. Uh, I, I'd be one of those guys like on Dr. Rick. Hi, you've reached a 425. <laughs> no, no, no. They know the number Eight they two, dialed. 827. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't have to leave that. No, no, no. That's not how we do that. It's the best campaign. Uh, did we learn Did we learn? I mean, that's else? a good way to end, I think. It was a good one to, to end the learning. <laughs> end on. All right. <laughs> end the learning. All right, everybody. That's it for us. I want to thank our guest today, Dan Graziano of ESPN, joining us live from Media Row out there in Las Vegas. Good stuff out of him. And, of course, Paul Moyer is always great. So if you missed any of that stuff, head to the podcast page, seattlesports.com. Click that podcast tab and click on our brand new handsome picture. And then click subscribe, which is really the key to the whole thing. And you'll find everything you've missed each and every day right there. Have a great night, everybody. We're back tomorrow with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710.